Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Ben, we are in the... uh, It's the next day. It's the day after the 4th of July. Occasionally we we don't talk about the specific day we record things, but I feel like it's germane (laughs) to what's going on with us today. We know... We know what's on deck. Yeah. It's a it's a Quarks Bar episode, but for many, it's a, it's maybe more of a drinking holiday this year than any other year. <laughs> I was one of those people. Ben, did you uh, celebrate in any particular way? We have some friends who have an apartment that overlooks the lake near our house and uh, has a fairly spectacular view, and uh, they're they're faced in the right direction that you can see the Dodger Stadium fireworks over the hill. Oh, so uh, that was we went up, we went over there for that. What I did not realize is that the neighborhood of Los Angeles that I live in is a real hot spot for fairly astonishing volumes of illegal fireworks. Like <laughs> I want to say, from like about an hour before the sun went down to about three hours after the sun went down, there was just a sustained like Fallujah level of explosion noise going off all around us all the time wow it was totally unbelievable like we had you know a a 180 degree view of a huge swath of east la and it was just fucking mayhem the entire time like we saw somebody shoot a roman candle into a palm tree that then caught on fire and like the fire department had to come put out the tree wow it was bonkers (laughs) Is this something that you like and enjoy? Well, I'm also a dog owner, and they really upset my pup. And that is what I was getting at. Yeah, then. it's hard to it's hard for me to not be just thinking about his feelings all the time, especially yeah. given the fact that I tend to minimize the importance of my own feelings. So having sure. somebody else to worry about is a, a really attractive situation for me. <laughs> I uh, this is my first Fourth of July. As the uh, as the person for a dog, yeah, and uh, it was not pleasant. No, not pleasant to see this special guy, this good good boy, fall apart over the course of a day. Yeah, and uh, he did not do great at all. Yeah, man, my neighbors told me that they uh, they medicate one of their dogs on Fourth of July because he has such a tough time with it. We uh we got some veterinary CBD from our our local pet shop. Uh huh. I've it seen was... this and I thought about buying it, but then I was like, that is very expensive, and I don't really know if I even believe it or not. <laughs> well, I think uh, your dog will vary, <laughs> and uh, and obviously this 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 isn't uh, this does not constitute veterinary medical advice. Oh, no. Uh, It did nothing for Sprocket. As directed, we gave him the prescribed dosage uh, the day before, the morning of, and then the evening of July 4th. And uh, I detected no change in his level of stress about fireworks. I'm sorry to hear that, dude. That sucks. It sucked for, for him. It also sucked for my wife, who 
uh, went to work as normal this morning, as as frequently happens on a midweek holiday. Mm-hmm. She was up early and and back to work today, but uh, she mentioned that she hardly slept at all because uh, because Sprocket was standing and panting and breathing next to her side of the bed basically uh, all night. Oh, buddy. Uh, Which, uh, I mean, she had no safe harbor in the bed uh, because had she turned away from him, she would have been faced with my panting and breathing <laughs> on my side of the bed. Yeah, so, that's no good. Nobody wants that out of him. Neither of us got much sleep, and uh, I did consume... A lot of beverages yesterday, so getting back up on the horse today for the July 5th episode. We both forgot this was a drunk episode until, like, a few minutes before we had to record. (laughs) It is frequently something that you want to plan around. Yeah. I've come around to the idea. I have a a 32-ounce bottle of of a local beer that I've been wanting to drink for a while. Oh, yeah? That I think will make a great accompaniment for today's episode. 32 and, uh, is an awful lot of ounces. It is. It's from a, a local brewery called Urban Family. It's called Northwest Nectar. <laughs> it's a tart saison with local nectarines, Ben. Wow. Thought, uh, I thought a little bit of a, of a sweet flavor would help the episode go down. What is, do you think? Is the Pacific Northwest particularly known for its stone fruit? <laughs> Of course not. <laughs> not at all. I mean... But a friend of the podcast works there and uh, hooked me up with a couple of bottles, so we'll see what happens. All right. What are you going to drink on the show? Uh, I'm drinking a uh, spiced rum out of St. Lucia mm-hmm. called uh, Chairman's Reserve. It's kind of a a basic spiced rum. I, I, mean, I don't think it... It's it, a real uh, basic bitch rum. <laughs> I think uh, if you've had a Captain Morgan spice rum, you probably can get a. You could probably imagine like that, but slightly less um, garbagey. Mm. <laughs> is basically how I would describe this. Uh, it's it's nice. It's a it's an easy sipper. You know, I'm just having that with some ice. I feel like oh boy. I have been doing beer on a lot of eps lately and finding myself insanely burpy. And uh, I try to. That is a thing. You know, I want to edit it out. I don't. I'm hoping it's not super evident to people. It's not ruining because you don't want to hear that. But uh, like, save ourselves some uh, some work in post production. I I think you're going to be editing this episode, so uh, why not uh, spare you all of my burps and drink something a little bit stiffer? That is great. What a what a sweet sweet gesture Mm -hmm. from you to me. It's the gift that keeps on giving, Adam. Uh, this uh, this beer is is says that it's tart on the label, and uh, and they're right about that. It's almost a uh, a gusa amount of tart. Oh, I like those gusas. Delicious. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I will say, Adam, is that if you uh, if you get testy, I do have beer at the uh, you know <laughs> at at the ready in case I need to uh, unload some burps on you. Let's hope you don't cross over to Beer's Ben on today's episode. It's season two, episode 23 of Deep Space Nine. Let's cross over. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. 
And uh, I feel like the establishing interior shot here is split diopter, like right away. Yeah. There's some and, uh, pretty fancy camera work in this in this first scene. Flashy, for sure. We've got uh, y- your boy, Dr. Bashir, and your girl, Major Kira. I, he is not my boy, Ben. I renounce Dr. Bashir. <laughs> I mean, he has really swung wildly in this season, hasn't he? This is a bad app for him. Like he he comes aqu- <laughs> a- across as as the old Bashir of season one. If you don't like Bashir, you might like this episode for what happens to him. But unfortunately, uh, what happens to him doesn't go far enough to feel any kind of catharsis. <laughs> I'm get I get the bends every new every Bashir app we get. It's a different guy. I mean, we tend to get a lot of road trip Bashir episodes. This time he's paired up with Kira, who is just like really having to marinate in his company in <laughs> in kind of a terrible way. Like she uh, she tells him he has a headache, which has got to be a thing he hears all the time. <laughs> and all all she wants is a little peace and quiet to meditate. And uh, and Bashir just can't shut his yapper. I mean, I dig I dig her discomfort here, but Kira, you're in a fucking Winnebago. Go to the back. Yeah, go, go to the back room that we know is there with the giant conference table. You're not in a bunk bed. Like yeah. you have you got room to move around. Yeah, she does not take this opportunity. Instead, she comes to the realization that Bashir has no sense of conversational space <laughs> and is quite clearly the loud breather in yoga. What are you doing? He is just that guy. He just Cannot turn it off. In through the nose, out through the mouth, lion's breath. Ha! He's really awful in this scene. And uh, and Kira, fairly patient. He pushes her buttons, and he's. I think he's kind of mindlessly pushing her buttons, but she does let it get to her when he like kind of slags off her uh, favorite musician or whatever. <laughs> like, you That's know. a good point, Ben. Like, you mentioned that he might not be able to help it. Does that make it any better? I don't like, know. It's not like Bashir is trying to annoy her, but he should know better. My dad used to do that bellows breath thing, by the way. Unlike, oh, that's a real thing? Unlike long car rides, if he was like feeling sleepy behind the wheel, would <laughs> do that. So I was a little like transported back to uh, dorky dad vibes in this scene. God, he is a dorky dad, isn't he? He's yeah. a dorky dad without the kid. Yeah, he's got like, like when he's out of his Starfleet uniform, he's just got like a pair of Skechers and like a, and like a apron for grilling that has like some dorky slogan on it. And he <laughs> wears a ball cap that he got for free at like a at like an event at an orchard supply and hardware. He is flipping those burgers a lot, like <laughs> an unnecessary amount of flipping of that meat. Well, he read that J. Kenji Lopez all. Uh, article about how maybe flipping a burger a lot is a good thing. I don't prescribe to that at all. Yeah, you think you're smarter than J. Kenji Lopez Alt? I don't believe that, Adam. In this particular area, I am. He'll leave that meat alone. <laughs> that guy's a scientist. He knows what he's doing. Grilling is supposed to be fun. <laughs> I, I don't want I don't want your science introduced to my cooking. It's sort of why I stopped using the uh, the immersion circulator as much as I used to. Hmm. You're not like, you're not uh, sous that much. Like any piece of gadgetry 
I am enamored with early on. I used it once or twice a week when I first got it. Now I'm just using it to make eggs. That's it. Does it. make a nice egg, that sous vide technology. I, at the uh, 4th of July thing I went to last night, my friend uh, handed me the tongs when I walked over to take a look at his grill. And so oh, you must have been great friends. You, you keep an eye on this, buddy. Uh, I'll be right back. I swear I'm not leaving you with this. And then I had to like finish 100% of the grilling. Whoa! Yeah, I was. I thought this was going to be like a demonstration of like uh, culinary intimacy, but this was a dereliction of food duty. I think it was like fifty percent dereliction of food duty and fifty percent. You know that's just going to get done right if you leave it in Ben's hands. Oh, fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> Is that the reputation you have? Yeah, that's he, you. He's like this guy's read a J. Kenji Lopez alt article oh, or two. Okay, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't even know who that is that you're referring to. Is this the uh, the Neil deGrasse Tyson of food that you're talking about? Uh, he doesn't do the thing where he's an asshole to somebody because they were wrong about something. Um, oh, that's just a thing you do? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that... That's... Oh, this beer's making me mean, Ben. <laughs> mean beer. <laughs> That's a great. Pull that's, it back. that's a great endorsement for a beer that somebody <laughs> gave you for free, presumably for some promotional reason. The article that I refer to by J. Kenji Lopez Alt is on uh, SeriousEats.com. That's his oh, yeah. uh, his his food website, and uh, he's even recommended lots and lots of flipping for steaks. He's gone he's gone on to steaks and recommended that. Keep your mouth off my steak, J. Kenji Lopez Alt. Did you go to MIT, Adam? I'm just, uh, I forget. Where Where did you go to school? Went to uh, <laughs> Kitchen Stadium University. <laughs> Home of the spatulas. Mm. Anyway, Kira and Bashir head into the wormhole <laughs> on their way back to DS9. And wouldn't yeah. you know it, I think like most recreational vehicles... Tire pressure is crucial. Oh, yeah. And I think they have a little bit of a blowout here. What's wrong? The ball feels not fully collapsed. If your tires are not properly inflated, it can lead to pretty unfortunate things like slipping into the mirror universe. Which they do, which is shown visually in a couple of interesting ways. There's there's the accompanying flash of interdimensional travel. I right. feel like that's a thing. It's less... Uh, it's. It's less uh, concepty than the time travel sequence in Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home. Sure, but uh, but it is noticeable. The one thing you're going to want to do is break that center line on the camera, <laughs> and they, upon the the bright flash that accompanies interdimensionality, uh, they <laughs> they move the camera across the center line. Yeah. So now we're shooting from behind, and they also go to wide ass lenses like the yeah. A lot of the rest of this sequence is shot on some real fucking wide lenses. And, uh, like, they come out of the wormhole. They're like, boy, that was a bumpy ride. We're going to really have to chew the chief out when we uh, get back to the station. What happened to the station? (laughs) And they look out the window, no station. Yeah, it wasn't where they left it. And that's a problem. And another problem is uh, is the Klingon battleship. That uh, that rolls up on them pretty fast. <laughs> pretty fast, and uh, these dudes beam aboard like guns drawn, like like pistols out, 
You can tell this is a cramped area because when there's four people in the uh, front section of a runabout, the only place you can stick a camera is on the floor shooting up. Yeah, it's all shot from a hi-hat. Like yeah. they, uh, like a hi-hat is, is basically just the top of a tripod, like screwed onto a piece of plywood. Mm-hmm. So you've got the camera shooting basically waist up on everybody and up everybody's nose. It is a, one of the weirdest choices I've ever seen camera work wise in Star Trek. And they, they shoot the whole scene this way. There's multiple camera positions, multiple yeah. angles. They cut around. You need a certain face for this not to be a horror show of a composition <laughs> because this is about the most unflattering angle you could shoot any on-camera person with. Like, it's bad. It's bad in most cases, and yet no one looks ugly in yeah, this scene. You've got, Everyone... you've got our, two, our two lead actors in the scene are probably, like, I mean, I just think they're both extraordinarily good-looking. Yeah, and not just Star Trek good looking, but just generally good generally looking. good looking. And then <laughs> the Klingons like look more Klingony. I mean, right? It's it's interesting that it, this angle does a lot to de-emphasize the things about Klingons that we associate with Klingonness, namely head loaf. Yep. But still, they like they really read as imposing and threatening. Like, I mean, I think that. Obviously, the camera angle is giving them a lot of help in the imposingness department, but they're very Klingon-y, despite the camera angle. Good day not to wear the utilicil by these two guys. <laughs> they uh, they beam on board, and upon seeing Kira, like, recoil in something adjacent to fear, I would say. Like, they are not feeling Kira's presence here. Yeah. It's not quite fear, but it has the same real estate values as fear. <laughs> it's not in the same uh, school district as fear, but a lot of the same services are available. <laughs> <laughs> and the Academy Award for Dumbest Analogy <laughs> goes to... Often the fear neighborhood is the first to gentrify. Right. <laughs> You start seeing uh, Trader Joe's pop up <laughs> where uh, where you didn't think one would. Oh would... yeah, where once there was a funky coffee shop, now it's a really hoity-toity coffee shop that's doing pour overs and you know playing vinyl records and you know all of all of the fancy stuff is in town now. You know, bus service has really improved in fear. <laughs> I noticed that. Uh, that uh, alternate side parking rules are now being uh, kind of enforced in fear because they're really trying to keep those streets sweeped. Ben, something happens here uh, before we go to break that I think uh, foreshadows the the way that the story will be told going forward, which is the Klingons beam off, Kira and Bashir look at each other and do nothing more than shrug their shoulders before going to to DS9. <laughs> I think what Which this is, is an orbit doing, of Bajor. Yeah, and I think what this is indicating is a, a speed to the story efficiency that is too fast. It's much, much too fast for what they're trying to do here because it kind of feels like a feature film level of story, den- like like number of story beats, but in a forty-five minute episode. 
I think we'll get to this when we talk about whether or not we like the episode, but this 10 pounds of episode in a two pound bag. <laughs> and they cannot talk about what just happened because they need, they're on a timeline. They need to hit DS9 mm-hmm. before the break. They got to meet the, uh, the intendant. And they do. They like walk onto the station. They meet uh, Gull Garrick. My name is Garrick. Which uh, really, really just doesn't sound right, does it? It's a little too alliterative. Yeah. Uh, but he looks great. He is an actor of the quality that can flip that switch. Like, he carries himself like, like a gull, and he is a believable gull. Yeah. I he, think. He walks like a gull. He talks like a gull. Uh, the other person we meet is uh, is Katsuk Kira, <laughs> Ben. And good Lord, I have often admitted to being at least... Kira curious, <laughs> Ben. If I were to, if I were to like choose a Star Trek sexuality, uh-huh. a trexuality, if you will. Uh, this episode uh, confirms my suspicions. <laughs> uh, my type is Kira. She like shops at the same store as Darth Vader, but in the sexy section. She is uh, resplendent in her leather cat suit, and uh, and a lot like Garrick. It is not just a costume change for her. She, her physicality is different. Yeah. And so is Garrick's. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not just superficial mirror universe shit happening with, uh, with a change in facial hair. This is a lot more than that, and it really works. Yeah. She has, like, so much swagger because she is she's the apex predator. Like, nobody can, nobody can get her. That word, I think, is so apt because she uh, she's panther-like in this black cat suit. For all that's made about the alliance between the Klingons and Cardassians and then later on the Bajorans, yeah. of which she is one, like there clearly is a hierarchy to this alliance and Bajorans is the bottom. And she wields a ton of power on this station. Like it is not uh it's not the power of someone who is third on the podium in this alliance. Like she right. kicks a lot of ass there. She 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 wields a lot of power. I mean like I think it's kind of the local locality of the station, you know? Like it's yeah. it's revealed later on that Garrick has been has been uh gunning for that job, you know, like wanting to uh, take make an attempt on her life in an elevator the entire time. And, uh, and and can't do it. Like she's better than everybody. So let's run down our uh, our mirror universe characters that we get to know in this episode. We've got Intendant Kira, the Ben Cisco of the station right now. Her XO is Garrick. Mm-hmm. We've got Mind Supervisor Odo, <laughs> and this is important because as soon as Kira and Bashir arrive on the station, Bashir is thrown in with the rest of the Terrans to to work mind duty. It's kind of like. Terak Nor is kind of operating the way uh, occupation Terak Nor did, where right. there are some sort of like semi-enslaved people working on mining, and everybody else treats it like a casino. But the enslaved people in this case are Terrans. So in the post-TOS mirror universe, it seems that uh, Terrans are uh, really, really got the shit end of the stick. I think if you're a Terran working the mine supply chain, the station's probably the better place to be than than in the mine itself, right? Like the processing station is what Teraknor is. The right. mine is uh is down on the surface. Yeah. 
they imply that there's some some like different casts among the Terrans. Mm-hmm. Like there's thetas and lambdas and stuff. Seeing the new is not going to want to hang out with us if we fucking suck. Like we don't get much about that, but it it seems like they're. Um, they're sort of being divided and conquered in an interesting no, way. there's not enough time for that, Ben. <laughs> we got to move forward. We got to meet not your friend O'Brien. I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. He's kind of like the station's janitor. Mm-hmm. And his status is such that, that like, he's given additional freedoms because he's a handyman. In, he's kind of the the low class version of what he is in Prime Universe, and for that reason, uh, Mind Supervisor Odo is a little less harsh on him. But uh, one person who he is especially harsh with right off, right from jump, is Bashir. Yeah, because uh, Odo and Bashir do not get along in any universe, and uh, in putting Bashir to work. Sure seems like Bashir is a lost person in a yeah. place where he doesn't belong, and Odo does not give a shit. Yeah, Bashir doesn't know any of the rules of this game yet. We'll see to it that he learns them. To Odo, Bashir reads as a wise-ass piece of shit who like claims mm-hmm. to be a doctor, claims to be a fancy lad, and uh, he keeps like slapping him <laughs> and yeah. uh, asking for his designation. Yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. What's your designation, Adam? Sorry? <laughs> you don't have one? No, like that's my designation. <laughs> oh, you're you're designated Canadian. <laughs> ben, it seems like baths are really a mirror universe thing. Because hmm. uh, in one of the next scenes, mirror universe Kira is in one, and through a nifty bit of composition and camera work, uh, rises up out of her bath. Uh, into a towel and then into a robe. She's to... really taking the coming to America style bath, <laughs> where, <laughs> yeah. where she's got like some some people that are there to bathe her. Yeah, is is John Roderick from the Mirror Universe? Given <laughs> that he is a noted bath enthusiast, I don't know. Uh, Intendant Kira has taken a a great deal of interest in Major Kira. You know, she she doesn't have a lot of people in her life that she can trust. She loves that this is another one of her. She is aware of the Prime Universe. Like, she's uh, she's educated about uh, this issue in a way that, like, Gul Garrick is not. Ben, I feel like her interest skews into seduction in a weird way. Did you get that vibe? And what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it? I think that that may be that our judgment as heterosexual men is a little clouded by how ridiculously good looking she is because <laughs> she is for sure like slinking around and like and like striking a bunch of poses that i find very erotic there's no such thing as a non-romantic grab of someone else's chin <laughs> as you're talking to them there's no plutonic way to do that i guess not I mean, I, 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 sure, I certainly would not do that to anyone but my wife and maybe not even my wife. <laughs> you certainly wouldn't do that to a version of yourself, Ben. You don't even like the jacket. You mean like in the mirror? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, good looking. All right. <laughs> Getting a little too messant there, I see. Well, be ashamed to put that to waste. Only you would seduce yourself with with tumescence. 
man, if I could if I could muster that much uh, compassion for myself, I would be a much healthier person. <laughs> Benjamin R. Harrison, uh, compassionate masturbator, is the goal. <laughs> really, yeah. Is that what you tell your therapist? I want to eventually turn the corner into literally loving myself. Yeah. Like, mirror on the ceiling, looking up at it during. (laughs) Another person we get to meet here is Ben Sisko. Yeah. Who low-key operates a slave ship operation. Is that what it is? That's what I got the feeling of. I honor her by collecting duties. (laughs) of a sort from vessels that pass in this direction the case that he makes is like he does he does runs for kira and those runs often include supplying her with things and people and the and the headcanon that i put in there was that uh the people end up working in the mine he get he scoops up terrans when he can wow and the reason that he's not in the mine himself as a terran or the rest of his crew is that he's uh He's kicking back, right? Yeah, he's he's fun for her. Yeah. They have a kind of a fuck buddy relationship that I guess means she affords him quite a bit more autonomy than your average Terran gets. But it it you know, he's kind of a Han Solo-y kind of guy. Like he's you get the feeling that he's a criminal uh, element that the state has a good relationship with. Yeah, that uh, that Han Solo comparison I think is very apt. He's a real uh, jump over the bar and pour yourself a drink kind of guy. He's a real jump into the tub because it's clearly a two-person tub sort of person. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he, he does jump over the bar because Quark, who is a much less flashily dressed version of himself in this universe, uh, gets arrested for uh, being the guy that is secretly on the down low trying to help Terrans smuggle themselves off the station. There's something about how Quark looks that is also different in the Mirror Universe. And and in Prime Universe, Quark is uh, loaded up with a bunch of thick curtains <laughs> as a costume. When you disrobe him and just stick him in like the onesie that he's wearing. Yeah. He that- looks diminished like in the in that way too. Yeah. Like he's not a successful bar owner here here, but to see his giant head on top of a smaller body, it makes him look unhealthy and desperate. And he looks frail, yeah. Yeah, that's what his vibe is. It, it really makes me appreciate the work that the costume department does on proportionality on this show. Yeah. Like, I think that low-key, it's super good for all the characters. Like, we talked about, like, Cal Hudson wearing his comm badge low on his yeah. chest uh, in an earlier episode. Like... The way they use the size of elements of costumes to make people look better in in this show is, like, super on point. Yeah. And that's even true in, like, one-off costumes. Like, I think this court costume is, like, very intentionally there to make him look the frailest and most diminished version of himself. I think Armin Shimmerman does great here by not uh, cartooning it up either with, with his attitude. I think makeup-wise, he looks tired, like more tired than maybe he's ever been. But he's not uh, hes not acting drunk to act drunk. It's subtle. Do you think anybody believes that we're not really getting drunk in this episode? Well, I, I, would, I would invite them to fuck off if that's what they think. <laughs> I'm drinking this beer as fast as I can. <laughs> 
Where are you at at W slash R slash T 32 ounces? I've been pouring into a pint glass. A uh, An imperial pint or an American yeah. pint? Oh, this is the drunk Shimoda glass. American uh, and pint. And I've, I've got a third of that left, and I want to say I, I might be able to just finish the bottle right now. And I've I've filled the glass with the leavings of the bottle. The bottle is now empty. The glass is now <laughs> three quarters of the way full. leavings of the bottle? Is the bottle yeah. taking dumps? It's the remains of the bottle, Ben. <laughs> I love that movie in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm in the I'm in the middle of my. Uh, I'm gonna say third rum. Yee. The uh, I'm the in thing trouble. that I will tell you is that uh, the tartness of this. Yeah. It's having an effect on. On my elocution. Oh, like yeah. I, um, I've got tart mouth. What are you doing now? Exactly. Yeah, Chief O'Brien, uh, or not, uh, not Chief O'Brien, but Smiley O'Brien, mm-hmm. uh, he gets no respect. He gets no respect from... Odo, he gets no respect from Cisco. He's a guy that has a lot of skills and undeniable talent to contribute, but nobody really cares about him. It's it's a lot more like the way O'Brien was on the Enterprise than he is on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> you know what? That's interesting. And if Mirror Universe O'Brien is seen as a tragic figure then I think you must consider TNG-era O'Brien to be the same, right? Right. Uh, yeah, because I guess he's the only person that can shoot a thing into a backlit wall panel. Like that's <laughs> That is all he does throughout the episode. Yeah, he's always got a panel open and he's, and he's fidgeting with whatever's inside it. You know, he, he's curious about his his parallel universe counterpart and Bashir is uniquely qualified to relate what that guy is like, you know, like telling him about the friendship they have and the, you know, the wife and daughter that Chief O'Brien has and the, the position he has in uh, the hierarchy on the station. And just like Quark and many of the other characters, O'Brien doesn't like fall to pieces at this news. Sounds like he got the lucky draw between me and him. This doesn't affect him in a strong way, but it does make him think. Yeah. And that'll, uh, that, that thinking will come in handy later. Concurrently, Garrick is in Kira Prime's room, and uh, he's there to warn her about something. She'll never let you leave, you know. Can't you tell? There's this infatuation that is, uh, that is undeniable, and, sh- and whatever Mirror Universe Kira has told Prime Kira about helping her escape back to her universe is a lie. But... Prime Universe Kira can assist Garrick by helping to take her place because Garrick's got a plan and the plan is to kill Mirror Universe Kira, replace her with Prime Universe Kira, and then have Prime Universe Kira resign and then go off with Bashir a little later off to wherever. Yeah, and and the insurance policy is going to be Bashir. He's going to like keep Bashir under Cardassian control so that Kira agrees to the second phase of the plan wherein she resigns because you know your your mirror universe person is uh not to be trusted with a with being suddenly raised to power and i'm sure that you don't trust anybody else with that either 
It's a ton of leverage. Yeah. So this is a big evil plot. And I, I think Garrick is aware that he is taking a big risk bringing her into it. True career advancement requires risk. I mean, what we know about the mirror universe is you can become captain of something just by killing the captain, right? Mm-hmm. But he's, he's, he's sneakier. And he sees the arrival of Prime Universe Kira as, as kind of a, a cool advantage that he could potentially play. It's tremendous leverage because poor Bashir is down there slaving away in the mines. From time to time, Prime Kira can sneak down there and like have some Soto Voce conversations with him. I don't know why they let her do that. Like Odo <laughs> is, is, is framed in the background, like mean mugging them both whenever this happens. Yeah, and that uh and that uh, Klingon lady with the uh with the nipples on her uniform that yeah. keeps following Kira around. She's got a cartoon drill bra going. <laughs> What's that vehicle that they drive around in uh, in Ninja Turtles? That like that's exactly the one that comes to mind, drill, right? Drills around under underground. <laughs> yeah, it's the evil Foot Clan's mutant module. Turns out, uh, Mirror Universe Cisco has the same appetites as Prime Universe Cisco because Kira goes to find him hanging out uh, like at a personal buffet, like <laughs> napkin tucked into uniform. Prime Universe Kira knows she's going to need some help if she's going to get out of this situation. And so she asks Mirror Universe Cisco for this help. Right. And uh, she's kind of she's kind of thinking that this is going to be Cisco cut from the same cloth as the Cisco she works with. And she's more right than I think he knows in this scene. Like, he kind of throws it back in our face, and he says, he's like, I take care of me and mine, and I'm not, I'm not out here to, like, start a political revolution or anything. Like, what helps the viewer not get super frustrated with Kira here, I think, is that Bashir and Mirror Universe Kira are the only ones who really know how the Mirror Universe works. Like, early on, Mirror Universe Kira talks about Kirk's trip back to the Mirror Universe and how it destabilized the Terran Empire and, and led to their fall in the face of the alliance of the Klingons, Cardassians, and Bajorans. But Kira didn't know that. Perhaps you'd recognize the name Kirk. No, I'm sorry, I don't. And so she isn't super clear, I think, on how strong the mirror works against the people that she knows. Right. Which is which is why I wasn't upset when she goes up to Cisco, you know, thinking that there's goodness in him because she has no way of believing how much of that may be contained in him or not right it also makes me wonder how much evil is potentially in prime cisco because <laughs> right he does kind of wind up on her side of the yeah. of the uh, situation right which could only mean <laughs> uh, the presence of that evil right yeah so like uh like prime kira gets put in a ball gown she has to show up to this party um Garrick is very, like, creepy and leering on her. I do hope you'll save a dance for me. I think a lot is going to be made about this gown and, like, the cat suit and all of this stuff. But I just want to say again, like, the seduction has to do with her attitude. Right, because Prime Kira is in the same gown as Mirror Kira, and it means two totally different things. Like, right. she feels, like, like exposed and vulnerable as Prime Kira, but as Mirror Kira, it's like she is rocking it in a very sexually provocative way. 
I think you're lucky to have Nana Visitor play this part for that reason. Yeah. Because you've got to be able to do that in the same outfit. Yeah. It's a, it's a degree of difficulty thing. You know, this this is a party, but we also know that this is when Garrick is uh, planning on doing his dirt. And uh, so so the, the stakes is high. And uh, we catch up with Bashir in the like down in the in the work section and he's he's just totally wiped out like i think he's made a couple of bad choices here like there's a scene earlier where he's like eating his his slop and Mm -hmm. uh decides that it does not uh comport with uh the highest ideals of food so he just gives it to somebody else yeah he's gonna need a strength come on man yeah you don't give your food away in a situation like that man you give your food away in prison one time and you're gonna be giving it away the entire time that's no good if you get locked up you beat the shit out of the first shapeshifter you run into (laughs) and you know establish some dominance demonstrate to the other prisoners that you are not to be fucked with if we didn't have Bashir, I think we'd have a pretty loose grasp on the passage of time because the passage of time is is red on his uniform and his hair. His uniform is fucked up. I think we could call it uh, totally bedraggled at this point, <laughs> like scorch marks, and uh, and he's just sort of sopping wet. Yeah, like mud all down his shit. Scrambled eggs all over his face. <laughs> But there's like a there's like a thorium leak or something, right? Yeah, you you can't leak that thorium. Yeah, Bashir kind of exploits this this moment of chaos to to beat up a guard and take his sidearm. And uh, as he and the other Terrans are running out the door, he uh, he sees Odo spot him and and go to draw his weapon, and he wastes Odo on the gore setting. Odo goes up in like a Ghostbusters 2 level ectoplasm explosion. This like, is maybe my favorite special effect that Star Trek has ever done. This is so upsetting. It's the best Odo effect we've gotten on the show for sure. Because they definitely blow up some real glop, right? Yeah, yeah. And the cut is perfect. It's so good. I know that there, this is never going to happen, but like the HD transfer of Deep Space Nine would be worth it for this effect. Just to see more resolution on this. It's so cool. Ben, I want to do a little punch up on this scene if I can. <laughs> okay. How much more rugged would it have been if Bashir had to shoot O'Brien in order to escape the mine? Because as it is, like the relationship between Odo and Bashir is I mean, it's there, but it's so it's so much less grounded than the one between O'Brien and Bashir that it like for as as terrifying as the mirror universe is, and for as tired and bedraggled as Bashir becomes by by the midpoint in this episode, like I wanted him to come to a moment where he was truly put to the test about what he was in the prime universe and what he has to become to survive the mirror universe. He's right. never tested in that way. And I think this would have been a good moment to do that, especially because the utility of O'Brien isn't super necessary like o'brien knows his way through the uh jeffrey's tubes and through a couple of corridors yeah but i think you could have Bashir. you could just have Bashir know how to do that yeah i think i think the rewrite could mean that that he just finds his way through those areas without the need for an escort 
especially because they get captured by the Klingons in a moment. Right. Like it, it, it's not actually moving the stories forward that he needs O'Brien's help. It's just yeah. it's just putting O'Brien in front of Cisco at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Which like we could have gotten to a million other ways. I think this is what Star Trek Discovery did especially well in in things concerning the mirror universe is it made its characters like have reach real that feelings moment. about that uh, about meeting their counterparts and stuff and about having to make awful decisions you know like you're trading your soul for survival in a place that's that's terrifying yeah bashir is just a pow and even kira isn't necessarily put to that kind of test like she never has to choose someone to die i mean i will say that like the fact that o'brien gets fucked by bashir's escape does have some weight to it like you really do feel bad for this guy at that point like Bashir could have have made it read as he had taken O'Brien hostage when they got grabbed right. by the Klingons but right you know like that I mean I don't know if that's bad writing or good writing given like where we're at on Bashir but it's interesting you know it, I, it definitely was was interesting to see we don't know if it's bad or good, but like it so easily could have been either with the addition of a choice. Yeah. A choice that he's never given. O'Brien gets a great monologue here when he's being sentenced to death to give his true feelings to Mirror Universe Kira. What were you thinking? This is also Kalamini, like low-key showing his own chaps off. I mean, yeah. like unmistakably O'Brien, but also like such a radically different O'Brien. Yeah, it's not the desperate fuck you that a character gives when they know they're they're about to meet certain death. It's like a real introspective monologue about how things might have been different for him and like how Bashir told him about a version of himself that had hope and a reason for living that, yeah. that sounded so much better than the life that he has now. If I can change and you can change, everybody can change. I love that like, ECU on his face as he's going through that too like yeah like the camera like pushes in and pushes in and pushes in until it's he's like filling the frame their sentence is slow death in the promenade Bashir next to O'Brien rough stuff and uh and we cut to that scene where they kill uh Bashir and O'Brien and that's the end of the episode why don't we do that joke more often (laughs) Yeah, the uh, the cut to theme. That's a great one. <laughs> I think the problem is the like TNG cut to theme. That's like a it really hits. Yeah. But the cut to theme on Deep Space Nine doesn't hit that hard. Maybe whenever we make that reference, we cut to the cut. TNG theme. <laughs> more, 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 Dude, sweet, more, more, more. Do you hear, buddy? More. Time. Ben Solo barges in, guns a-blazing with his crew. Yeah, Ben Solo shoots first. You better believe it, baby. Sure does. This scene looks like it is the the kiss of death, and then it turns out that Ben Solo had like gotten all of his uh, you know crazy scarred up Terrans in on a plan to. Uh, to kind of like take the station hostage, release these mm-hmm. prime universe dorks, and start the Terran uh, revolution or whatever. Have 
have you lost your mind? Boy, Ben, I'm kind of feeling a uh, a Che style T-shirt with uh, Ben Cisco's <laughs> face in the middle. What do you think about that? I love arguing with assholes on the internet, Adam. <laughs> I have only one idea, and it's not even a good one. <laughs> it does not sell particularly well. Sure doesn't. <laughs> you know, it Jeez. does sell well. Our buddy, uh, Felipe Sobieros, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name, but uh, his, uh, his three Wharf Morn t-shirt. Uh, he designed something great that we couldn't sell ourselves, and so he is, and uh, I hope he reaps the rewards, because that is a great design. Hell Yeah. That thing happened, Ben, where we said something and then it was made. Pretty awesome how that works. <laughs> yeah. Fun stuff. So Mirror Universe Cisco and Mirror Universe O'Brien and Bashir and Kira run toward the platform where, where the runabout is. And there is maybe 10 seconds for Mirror Universe O'Brien to be convinced not to go with them and instead stay. Even though... We've seen how Mirror Universe Cisco treats Mirror Universe O'Brien, which is to say, not great. The way a bully treats uh, someone who's being bullied. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to stick with these guys. They make me feel terrible. They call me yeah. smiley in a way that I find incredibly insulting. I'm sure they have a locker to stick me in on that <laughs> ship. <laughs> they replicated a locker especially for me. This is another moment where, like, a little more time, I think, is necessary. But as it is, Prime Universe Bashir and Kira hop back on their runabout and impulse their way in an emergency fashion away from the station. That shot of the of the runabout leaving the station is, like, one of the awesomest model effects, by the way. It's great. Also, like, seeing the Klingon cruiser out the window, like, taking shots at them. Yeah. Super awesome. The in-curiosity of that first scene when they arrive and Mirror Universe Kira asks how they got there and they, they drop the wormhole line but then cover it up. Mm-hmm. Like, this is where that's returned because what secures their escape is that the Mirror Universe is not aware of the wormhole that is in their backyard. Right. I, I wondered why the Klingon cruiser like that is taking pot shots at them wouldn't register what that is. I thought for sure that cruiser would follow them through the wormhole. Yeah. They should have, and then the station should have blowed it up, right? Wouldn't that have been, like, the 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 right exciting conclusion to the two-part two episode arc that we should have had here? Ben, the button on the episode is, like, Prime Universe Cisco is an ops, like, complaining about their inability to find, like, wreckage <laughs> from <laughs> from the runabout. When uh, the runabout comes to the wormhole, they FaceTime them, and it's, like, Kira in a dress and Bashir looking like he's been in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they slide whistle the ending of this? I know. Where have you been? Through the looking glass, Commander. It's good to be back. <laughs> I was like, no! Did you like this episode, Ben? I did. What I like about it is that it feels very self-contained. It's a it's a real big-time adventure that doesn't necessarily need to change anything for our characters going forward. Uh, which is a kind of Star Trek episode I like, you know, like a like I like the ones that are boring and don't, you know, the stakes aren't that high. 
at all. But I also like ones like this, where it's like a like a crazy adventure that a uh, you know you throw a couple of characters into a crazy situation, see what happens, and uh, they like the stakes get raised over and over again in this episode. And I, I have no idea, but I almost picture the writers and like the special effects people talking like, "I have a great idea for killing Odo." But obviously we can't kill Odo. But how could we get to killing Odo in a story? And the writer's going like, well, there was that Mirror Universe episode in TOS. Like, let's let's do something with that. And Odo's like a, a bad guy and we hate him. And we get to see him blow up. And writing a story around getting to that moment is super fun and good. Um, I also like that they kind of leave it open to come back to. I think there are obvious problems with you know, cramming as much story into this episode as they did. But the story that they crammed, uh, I had a lot of fun watching. How about you, Adam? I love the headcanon of a of, <laughs> of an effects artist going, yeah, you know, like I grabbed a Home Depot bucket and I, I just like threw in some plaster and some other shit. And like, I really think this would be good if we ever had to explode Odo. Yeah. Can we like make an episode around this? Isn't that like kind of what you picture though? Like that effect is so like show-stoppingly great. Yeah. It's so it it is I mean like you think back to uh conspiracy and the uh <laughs> It's a conspiracy level effect, isn't it? But it's it's so much better. It's like it's it's conspiracy plus 10 years, you know? It's like like we we blew up Remick, sure. And then we had a weird puppet creature come out of his his gory corpse. I think we can do a lot better. You're never going to be able to write that wrong, man. <laughs> just let it go. <laughs> You're just grinding metal. Ease down. <laughs> ben, this episode infuriates me. Oh, it infuriates Adam. me because of its potential. Like... I, I loved so much about this, but it tasked me <laughs> over and over again. Like scenes would just fly by. We're just sprinting through this episode. And the end, the indignity of this ending, we're told a quarter of the way through this episode that like Kirk's Mirror Universe episode had these ramifications, massive ones, the fall of the Terran Empire. The rise of this new alliance, the uh, the change of transporter technology forever, <laughs> like all this stuff, and yet we aren't even given the the goddamn common courtesy of like a mission debrief scene with a, Bashir, a mission reach around, and Kira like talking it over. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. Where have you been? We've been through the looking glass. Fuck you. That is a fuck you of an end to this episode. Shit, dog. You you really got to calm yourself down, buddy. Here's the thing. Like, the episodes that I dislike, like, I can totally accept a, you know, not a great episode, just a, just two people going to a conference. There are low stakes Deep Space Nine episodes that I like. This is a high stakes Deep Space Nine episode. And I just cannot brook the stakes having no consequence at the end of it. Like, this this is treated like a bottle episode. And it just cannot end this way. 
I mean, I think that they leave a lot of pieces in place for it not to be a bottle episode in a way that feels like it, it isn't going to end this way. You and I both know we watch the next episode after we watch this one. Yeah. And nothing happens. <laughs> you know what happens every episode, Ben, as we uh, check the priority one messages. You want to see what we got? We do do that every episode. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is of a personal nature. It is from Joel, Allison, Aaron, Mom, Dad, Josh, Terry, Hilton, <laughs> Justin, and Laura. It is for Matt Nectarline. The message goes like this. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> message, Spock. None that I'm conscious of, except, of course, happy birthday. Surely... The best of times. <laughs> Happy 30th birthday to the best brother, husband, son, and friend there is from Ben Adam, Kevin Uxbridge, and all of us. We hope you have the best birthday of all birthdays everywhere. Happy birthday, Matt. I've been told that you love the Star Trek film, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Matt is a doubt. <laughs> it may surprise you to know that I do not observe birthdays, as I am a timeless entity. I'm like the person that celebrates Christmas as a cultural holiday and not a religious one. And frankly, I don't have a lot of respect for Khan as a man. He claims a great intelligence, and yet when all of life was wiped out on his planet, he did not make a small section of Malibu beachfront property for himself. <laughs> I am unlike you in most ways, Karen. <laughs> I am a good marksman, and I do hit the target. When I was given the opportunity to aben the death of my wife, Roshan, I did not aben by virtue of one hooshnock. <laughs> I abend the shit out of her. <laughs> do we have another message, Ben? Speaking I, of abending things, can I, you aben a priority one message? <laughs> Sadly, Adam, we do not have another message, but I will say this. You can get a message by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and uh, ordering a personal message for $100 or a commercial message for $200. Get your message in front of tens of thousands of awesome listeners. And, uh, you know, that's pretty great. But also, it helps uh, promote the production of this program. Anyways, I am done <laughs> with all of the rum. But do you have a question for me, Ben? Just ask the question. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! As the full weight of Ben's rum <laughs> Rains upon him, so too has the 32 ounces of micro-brew <laughs> consumed in, in alacrity. Ben, my, uh, my drunk Shimoda is a visual Shimoda. Oh, shit, dog. Uh, at about, what I wrote down was the 27-minute mark. This is the scene where uh -oh. Prime Kira... I have, I, 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 I'm just going to give you like a, a quick... I'm going to break in with a quick 
Shimoda preview, which is that I have also written down something at the 27 minute mark. Oh, shit. So (laughs) this is the scene with Prime Kira and uh, Mirror Universe Kira, and they're face to face. They're doing that Thomas Riker will Riker thing yes. except the eyeline is is perfect it's much much better this time here's the thing when you are shooting mirror shit with two of the same actor yeah and one of the ways that you sell that is is by one one side touching the other and the only way to do that the only way is by sticking an arm in like Faking the angle that it's coming in from the from the opposite end, yeah. well, it's hard to describe. But if you're watching at the 27 minute, you'll know what I mean. It's like Picard playing the flute, right? Mm-hmm. Those are someone else's hands. Yeah, this is this is a stranger's hand coming in and touching Kira's chin for this scene. My to- Shimoda is that arm yeah. and hand. We're 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 a double Shimoda this episode, Adam. We both picked the third hand. <laughs> That's so great. I here's here's my head cannon. Yeah. They were like, who's done some like good hand performance around Hollywood lately? And they watched the episode of Seinfeld where they had like man <laughs> hands for one of the women that Jerry is dating. This is a believable hand to me though, is it to you? It doesn't read as 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 Nana Visitor's hand at all to me. It is a totally oh. that the the weight and scale of the hand is totally different. <laughs> like You gonna tell me about Nana Visitor's hand weight? I think she has a very delicate and elegant hand, and this is not that hand. <laughs> Alright, I'm sc- I'm scrubbing to uh the twenty seven minute. I gotta see this. Oh shit. Yeah, that is a... Uh... It's a beefier God. hand than the Navizator is rocking. It is semi-beefy. But, uh, God, there's so much going on in this scene because, <laughs> yeah, that is another hand. I would say that, like... like it's we've the talked, Phantom. We've talked a lot about, like, the subtle shit that the Navizator does as an actor. Like, acting is such a weird job because some of it is portraying emotions and some of it is just like remembering like what hand you were holding a Mm -hmm, cup mm -hmm. of wine, a glass of wine in, in, you know, like, and, and like, you know, moving it around the scene and the, you know, there's like that precision shit of just remembering like how your body was angled and setting something down when you say the line. It's technical acting. Right. She's fucking incredible at the technical side too. Cause there are two or three, long takes where she is acting against herself in this episode where her eyeline is perfect her timing is perfect her fucking emotional truth is perfect like she's fucking amazing she's the best like it's unbelievable you, and she gets so many chances i'm not talking about her specifically but an actor gets so many chances to blow it in this episode specifically and she doesn't no. ever she never she never gives up a point she's she's the fucking unscorable goalie like she's great she's fucking great another thing they do in this scene is they light both of the kiras differently and i know why they do that like they're making mirror universe dark and prime universe light yeah but there is a logic to this that doesn't hold like (laughs) it's an impossible lighting situation right but it but it does uh look dramatic that's why they did it that way it, it looks dramatic but it also doesn't break the illusion 
like right which is which is hard mode for lighting yeah you can light something in a way that is dramatic and arch or you can light something in a way that is believable to do both at the same time hey ben have you ever been to the st louis arch (laughs) (laughs) fuck you you might have heard us talk about squarespace before and you're thinking what do i need a website for i already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? Episode next is <laughs> season two, episode 24, The Collaborator. Kira must investigate the man she loves when she learns he may be the Cardassian collaborator responsible for the massacre of 43 Bajorans. Or, of course, our, uh, our good friends over at Netflix describe it as, Bajor is about to elect a new spiritual leader, and Kira's lover, Vedic Barail, is the leading candidate. Go, Kira. All right. <laughs> good job by her. Yeah. I feel like whoever writes those those captions doesn't understand, like, some basic rules of drama. Like... Almost as if they're being paid to deter. Right. Like, oh, it sounds like that won't be an interesting episode. <laughs> like what many have accused us of being. <laughs> well, you want to see if we're doing this episode in a particular way, Ben? I could get behind that course of action. Uh, I believe we're on square 72 right now, are we not? That is the... Drunk square upon which we are. We are on the Quarks Bar today. Where will we be next week, I wonder? To get to anything of any consequence, we would have to roll a six. That would put us on square 78, which is an nth degree episode. That, of course, meaning uh, an, an episode with extensive research. Right. We have to know so much about this episode. It's basically coming out of our pores. This is maybe the square I want to land on the least. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of like kind of knowing whereof I speak. What do you know about that? I'm just saying like doing a bunch of research on an episode seems like it would be fun and interesting. No notes sounds terrifying and bad. You're such a teacher's pet, Ben. <laughs> no one wants that. No one wants that from you. I don't know about that, Adam. We'll see what people say on uh, social media. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. All Why don't right. you roll them bones, dude? I'm going to roll them. Oh, shit, dog. I rolled a five. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. We're not quite at the nth degree. <laughs> uh, right. We're, we're on square 77, a regular old episode. And if That's I could good. convince you to... Go ahead and roll roll on through to recording the next episode. It'll be kind of like a bonus drunk episode. It'll be a hungover episode, <laughs> is what I'll say. <laughs> Lucky you. One of us is going to get stuck editing this one, and the other is going to get stuck editing the other one. So you'll be the judge. Among those who are the most lucky are uh, <laughs> our friends of DeSoto, Ben. They uh, they gather on the Facebook and the Reddit and the Twitter using the hashtag greatest gen. They're all over the place. There are literally dozens of them <laughs> talking about this great, great show. Uh, among them are people we need to thank maybe the most. 
Oh, people yeah. People like Adam Ragusea, who, who designed the theme music and the interstitial music to The Greatest Generation. Of course, the OG music designer, this whole thing, from the very beginning, has been one dark materia. Is music designer a term? It is today. <laughs> uh, go to the Max Fun Store at maxfunstore.com to get a Greatest Gen t-shirt or pint glass, uh, as described in this episode. That would be really cool. Uh, you could also, if you... Go just... to St. Louis and visit the, the famous Arsh. God, I fucking <laughs> need... A... If you would like to be a the new co-host of this program, <laughs> send an email to drunkshimoda at gmail.com. Uh, I'm the only one that reads that account. Uh... Good fucking luck sitting in this chair. Yeah, you'll have to go over to Adam's house and sit in that chair. Yeah, it's, it's a great gig. You won't have to do hardly anything. <laughs> uh, you know, like, we could even talk about maybe you taking over his spot on Friendly Fire. Oh, yeah. That wouldn't take much. <laughs> we, uh, we got lots of, uh, lots of different social media things that people do, right? We got the Greatest Gen hashtag on Twitter. Adam's on there. It's at Cup for Time. I'm at Benjamin A-H-R. Uh, there's a great Facebook group, a great Reddit sub. There are all kinds of other social media-ish things like Twitch and Slack and stuff that are happening. I don't really understand them, but they're happening. You'd have to be a millennium to understand all of that. <laughs> um, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate if you want to support the show for real, for real. Uh, this is kind of the thing that has changed Adam in my life, and uh, if you find this entertaining, if you find it to be a diverting and net positive part of your week, and you want to help ensure that it keeps going and keeps being a thing, uh, you can uh, support us financially, and, and we really appreciate the folks that do that. If you support the show, you're a friend of DeSoto. If you don't, you're just a uh, an acquaintance. Yeah. You're an acquaintance of DeSoto. Yeah. That's you, all you get to call yourself. If you see DeSoto on the street, you just get to, like, nod at him. Real financial support for my real friends. <laughs> sham financial support for my sham friends. <laughs> yeah. What's that? We'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and another episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. Which will be uh, shirtless for more of it than you would think. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.